All right, hey, good morning. I know that uh, you want to know some things like how was my trip to Israel and how was sabbatical and all those things. And those things will come out uh, slowly over these coming weeks. And believe me, I have a lot that I've benefited from that I know that the body of Christ can be mutually encouraged in or called into God about. So I do want to share those things. But really what I want to do this morning is do exactly that, give a devotion. So I'm going to pretend like I'm not in a Baptist church this morning. And um, I'm going to give a 15 to 20 minute um, devotion out of Romans chapter 1. And you can begin by turning there right now. And uh, we're going to start it with only verse 8 this morning. But in the coming weeks, this week and next week, if you would, read Romans 1, 8 through the end of the chapter. Because we'll be dealing with 8 through 15 in two weeks after our communion service that we hold on the first Sunday of the month, which is next Sunday. So that's what's going to be happening is we're going to be in Romans twice in the next three weeks in Romans chapter 1. It's going to reveal some of my heart. It's going to reveal some of Paul's heart. But it's going to magnify this great thing that God is doing in the church in Rome. All right? So you're there. So let me just make a couple of very important acknowledgments. I'm so glad that Dan Golan is better. Dr. Dan Golan is, has improved so much from his minor stroke, and I'm glad to see him here worshiping and even helping with worship and even helping with one of the funerals that we had uh, here. I also want to express my love to the DeYoung family, but especially to Cliff, to uh, Marsha, um, to Randy Meyer, and the loss of Helen DeYoung. I wanted to be at that memorial, and I was thousands of miles away. Um, I also want to acknowledge um, Ron and Linda Boone, Steve and Melanie Downing, and their children for losing their great-grandmother, for Melanie losing her grandmother, and for Linda losing her mother, Lula May Lackey. That memorial also occurred while I was on uh, sabbatical as well. My heart just goes out to these folks, and um, I'm praying for them continually. Um, I hope that you are as well. People in our church occasionally are hurting because of physical infirmity or because of some other thing that has happened to them. And it's so great to be encouraged by the fact that I hear that groups of people are coming together in our church. I hear that not factions, not sects, not cliques, but people that are coming to gather around God's Word together to care for each other and to make ministers out of each other in small groups and in classes is happening. How encouraged was I on Monday, the very first day that I walk back into work this past Monday, and there is Nancy Hurley shepherding 13 women in a Bible study that's held uh, by the women's ministry on Monday morning. I'm just encouraged. I'm also very much encouraged by what elders have been laboring through in prayer and giving their faith to and what they're going to present to you in just a few moments. And so I want to acknowledge my elders and tell you I am proud of them and I stand with them as an elder. We are encouraged by what the work that God has done in us that has given us this desire to newly pledge ourselves to shepherding First Baptist Church in 2018 and beyond. We are on the edge of something. We are on the precipice of a work that I believe that God wants to do, but it can only happen here by faith. And that's the theme. That's what we're going to talk about here this morning, we're going to talk about the power of faith, the condition of faith that Paul is going to acknowledge in the church at Rome, okay? Listen, everybody wants to be known for something good. 
Everybody wants to be known for something good. It's likely that there's no tombstone out there that reads, he was insignificant. Or something like, wasted her life completely. You're not going to see that on a tombstone. Everybody wants to have a meaningful and a significant life because we're stamped with the Almighty, because we have eternity set in our hearts. We know that we're supposed to be unstoppable. We know that we're supposed to be conquerors. We know that we're supposed to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised in himself. And our lives want to be meaningful and impactful. And our lives can speak into other lives. Lives can change dramatically dramatically when they say, see Jesus Messiah and they receive him as Savior and Lord. I don't know about you, but when I met Jesus Messiah, my life changed dramatically. I stopped doing a lot of things that I was doing for myself. I started giving up things that were insignificant, and I moved toward a life of purpose and meaning and significance. I moved toward holiness. I moved toward heaven. My life changed dramatically. There's no greater change than to go from death to life, to go from bondage to liberty, to go from lover of self to lover of God, to go from selfish to selfless, to go from survivor to servant, to go from aiming for the grave to aiming for the great pleasure of heaven. Nothing greater than that. We want to be significant. And it's with this perspective on faith in Jesus Christ that Paul writes to Rome, to the church at Rome, that he didn't plant, a church that he hasn't even visited yet, only a church that he knows by its reputation. He's heard somewhere in Asia Minor, somewhere across the whole Mediterranean, about a church that got started by people somewhere from Pentecost forward, tradesmen or fishermen or people on pilgrimage to Jerusalem who were there at Pentecost, who heard that clear gospel message from Peter and from the early uh, disciples in the temple courts those days after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, and then went back as far as the seat of the empire, all the way to Italy, all the way to Rome, and they told people about Jesus. They had come to Christ, and Christ was so evident in them that they purposely and purposefully told people about Jesus. And so he longs to go there and to offer a collective spiritual gift, he's going to say in verse 11 of chapter 1, from God that will mutually encourage all and strengthen their faith-driven lives and their church. And so he writes, inviting himself to join that exciting work that God is doing in Rome. Think about that. He invites himself to Rome to go and share with them and to join in that exciting work in Rome. Now, would you do this? We're going to start a new pattern of submission and reverence to the Word of God in our church. I attended a few churches uh, on sabbatical, and this probably I took back more than anything else. Let's stand and just read this one verse of Scripture together. In respect and reverence for God's Word, let's read this verse aloud. Verse 8, now I'm reading in the ESV. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. What a verse. You can be seated. Thank you so much for respecting God's word. 
throughout the whole world. We're only going to focus on verse 8 here this morning. Again, in two weeks, we'll go all the way through verse 15. But Paul's thankfulness to God for the bold faith of the church at Rome is how Paul begins his address specifically to those servants of God. How did they become believers? How is it that their faith is known throughout the world? Well, the same Jesus, the same Jesus who changed people in Jerusalem that day from his resurrection all the way to his ascension, the same Jesus that was preached in Acts chapter 2, the same Jesus that was preached in Acts chapter 4, the same Jesus that Philip shared with the Ethiopian eunuch, the same Jesus that Peter shared with the centurion, the same Jesus that was told throughout the early decades of the Christian faith, from Christ's ascension into heaven, that same Jesus made it to Rome in the message of people. It made it to Rome in the message of persons, people, followers of Jesus Christ, where Jesus was so big, he was so dangerous, he was so magnified in them that their lives were proclamations. The word there for proclamation, some of you guys uh, have uh, reported all around the world in your NIV translations. The word there for proclaimed is a great Greek word that literally means advertised. It means billboarded. Their lives were living, walking billboards of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. Incredible. That's how these people became believers from fishermen or tradesmen and people on pilgrimage to Jerusalem who experienced Pentecost and then began to spread the good news that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. That's how the church at Rome heard and came to Christ. And Paul is very glad of that. And why is he so glad of that? Is because Paul's mission is the same mission as the church. He wants people to know Jesus. And he's glad that the church at Rome is doing exactly that. The church is known for its faith. Not for its preacher. Not for its comfortable pews or great parking close to the doors. Not for heated sidewalks. Not for its student ministry, children's ministry. Not for any controversies that are happening within it. Not for its coffee. Not for its interesting mix of wealthy and poor and famous Roman citizens. Citizens, non-citizens, free persons or slaves. The church is known for its faith. Its faith. That's all it's known for. In a place where people... 90% of the Roman Empire would talk poorly about the empire because they were in bondage to the empire. They were living day-to-day, scraping by in their poverty. They weren't happy about how the Romans had come and conquered and controlled and heavily taxed the people and brought the iron fish that created the Pax Romana throughout the empire. Now people are talking about a church in Rome, the seat of the empire, and they're saying, man, they see Jesus there. The church is known for their faith. And faith in Jesus Christ brings people together like nothing else. We're in this new experiment with our, um, with our bulletin there. I think I left mine in the pew. But if you look there, there's a little space for you to take notes. And I'm just going to give you three important, important statements about this verse. And here's the first. Faith in Jesus Christ brings people together like nothing else. Like nothing else. Faith in Jesus Christ brings people together like nothing else. 
look around. You're with people that you would never know, that you would never meet, that you would never share, that you would never serve, that you would never care, you would never pray if it weren't for Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ brings people together like nothing else. These people came to Christ from backgrounds that most certainly clash politically, socially, and economically. From Paul's theological treatise that follows from chapter 2 all the way through chapter 11, we know that some of these people began from pagan roots. You see, the Romans had adopted a lot of Greek mythology. They slapped a few different names and a few other really sick, twisted pagan practices on to their mythology, but they borrowed a lot from the Greco Empire, and that's many times why we call it the Greco-Roman Empire, because the mythologies, they weave together so much. Some came from pagan roots. Some came from Jewish roots. Because Paul is going to speak to those who have Jewish beginnings and law beginnings in chapter 3. Some have Gentile roots where Paul is going to tell them you have the law of God written on your hearts even if you weren't privileged enough to receive the law like the Jews did. He's going to say all of them, pagans, Jews, and Gentiles, all together, all of you, you need Jesus. All of you have to be rescued by Jesus. This was a church that if ever there was to be factionalism, if there ever was to be fighting, if there ever was to be classism, if there ever was to be superiority, it would have existed in this church. Can you imagine? Can you imagine some of the people that might have existed in this church that could have used their power and their influence to subvert others? to be about themselves and not about Jesus. And yet, this church is known for its faith in Jesus Christ. God has a great way of leveling the playing field, doesn't he? By his grace. Not even to mention the power and the wealth that must have existed in the seat of the empire, the favors that could have been curried the pastor that's like, oh gosh, we have to treat that family really nicely because they gave $100,000 to the building fund. Well, we, yeah, let's overlook what their, what their son just did, yeah. And slavery that was so prominent. Can you imagine people walking in with their slaves into the same church together, sitting in the same pew? Which is not really accurate to the first century, but still... Had there been one, that's, that's what would have happened. These people did not have reasons to come together, and they had dozens of reasons to remain separate. But faith in one, in Jesus Christ their Savior, brought them together. Can you see that immediate leveling of the playing field? That a church planner like Paul would want to come and hang with the church that's hundreds of miles away from his home church. He's already worked his way all through Asia Minor and he wants to keep going west all the way to Italy to the seat of the empire. Why? Because he's encouraged, he's excited about a church that's known for its faith. Wouldn't you want to go there? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? A church that's all about Jesus? And Jesus is so big and he's so magnified, he's taking over everyday lives all around them. 
He's seeping into the community. He's changing the economy. He's changing the culture. He's changing the political system. He's changing everything because all of them have come together under one faith in Jesus Christ, one Savior. That's why Paul wanted to go to the seat of the empire and preach a gospel that was hostile to the gospel of the empire and preach a gospel that was going to get him imprisoned, chained under house arrest for two years. That's why Paul wanted to go there. There's nothing that brings people together like faith in Jesus Christ. I went to the mall yesterday. I know, Christmas miracle. It's just a little bit late. I went to the mall. All right, never go to the mall. Don't like to shop. Uh, like to hunt a little bit, but uh, just like myself and Pastor Tom and many of you that I have seen at these places, I'm a thrift store guy. I'm a goodwill guy. If I can get it for $3 instead of $30, i am happy to do that. But I went to the mall. And uh, my wife and my, my daughter, they were distracted by all the shiny and fuzzy and all that. They were, they were, they were doing their thing, and they were looking. And my, my daughter is a very, very smart shopper. Um, but, uh, and uh, she came up very proud of herself to, to show me about her hunting pursuits, and I approved um, of, of her shopping. But I just walk. I just walk them all. It was indoors, and I said, hey, I'd probably get three or four miles in while they are walking slower. And so I'm getting in the miles, and I'm walking through the mall, and I see plenty of other people walking through the, through the mall. Plenty of other people. We have this in common. We walk through malls together. I didn't go up to a lady and say, hey, look, you're walking in the mall. I'm walking in the mall. You have money that you're spending in the mall. I have money that I'm spending in the mall. You have shoes, and I have shoes. We're both people with shoes and money and walking in the mall. Let's be best friends. Come on, let's go down to the food court together. She probably only agreed to that because walking to the food court would go right past the security desk, right? Those commonalities don't bring us together. It's a bunch of strangers walking out with only one pursuit to get the deal before you get it. That doesn't bring people together, but the gospel of Jesus Christ brings people together like nothing else. What do we have in common through Jesus Christ? We don't just have this church that we attend in common. We don't just have certain practices or even our doctrine is Baptist, which I'm glad that we have here because we believe the whole of God's word. We believe in literally applying all of the truth of God's word. That's all great, but you know what we have in common? We have eternity in common. We're all going to the same holy hill, y'all. We have eternity in common. We have the same life. We have the same mission. We have the same destination. Second, this, if you want to write it down. Faith in Jesus Christ brings people into the same life purpose and mission. Into the same life purpose and mission. Paul is saying, you guys are living billboards of faith. You are proclaiming. You are reporting. Your lives are statements that are unmistakable. Paul is saying you're living billboards. You're making Christ known among you and around you. Because you know Jesus and you by faith are knowing Jesus, you are making Jesus Christ known. Little hint of what's coming next. Because you know Christ. You're on a mission to make Christ known as well. Hey, let's connect and do faith in Christ together, everyone. 
Let's be on the same mission. Paul is saying he wants to come and help with the mission. And the reason why he's so agreeable with it is because that's the same mission. He's like, wait, wait, you guys know Jesus. I know Jesus. You guys are all about making Jesus known. I'm all about making Jesus known. So all I'm going to do is take the God-given grace that's been proportioned out to me and use those gifts and talents to help you know Christ better and make him known better. And I'm going to go and be there with you, and I'm going to be so encouraged. I'm going to be stoked about going to the next place to tell about Jesus. They're on mission together. They've all got the same mission. Faith in Jesus Christ places us on the same mission. There's no territorialism. There's no separate agendas. Just knowing Jesus together and making him known together. I had a different experience at Sam's Club just two weeks before Christmas. And uh, lots of people have to be in Sam's Club the weeks before Christmas. And uh, to get all kinds of massive amounts of food and, and, and things like that. And I was there too. And um, so I hop in line and I'm in a good mood. It's, you know, it's Christmas time. I, I picked out some nice things for my wife and for my kids. And I was excited to have our uh, family Christmas celebration, which we always have to take a week early because we're always traveling uh, down south. And, and uh, so I noticed in the line that I was in for the cashier, which was six deep, as all the lines were, um, a very kind and patient cashier that was working with impatient and very pushy people. She's making eye contact with each of them, even though they're not wanting to make eye contact with her. And she's being very encouraging. And I just said, well, this is a good show. I, while I stand in line, instead of making my next plan, I'm just going to watch this lady. And so I did. And I just watched her treat every person as important and significant to be gentle and kind and patient. And I said, you know what? I think the Holy Spirit is telling me that this lady is definitely a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I thought the coolest thing that I could do that day in my life is just to say, hey, we got this we thing going on. So I walked up and she says, hey, good morning. Uh, did you find everything and all this? And I, I leaned in and I said, you know Jesus. And she was just stunned for about a second and then she grinned and she said I do know Jesus I said yeah I could tell she goes how do you just know that you walk up to people and I said look I've been watching you for the past past five minutes and I know that you know Jesus and so then she pulls her sweater back and she shows me this bracelet. I've got bracelets on too, one, one from my son and one from Johnny and friends. But she shows me this bracelet and the bracelet says, unashamed, on there. I was like, lady, <laughs> your life is speaking a whole lot better than the bracelet. Maybe we got a problem in the church today. Too many bracelets. Not enough lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives us a faith that brings us together like no other that gives us a mission all together like no other vision for life vision for my life vision for your life is very well received when Christ is well received if you are living with Christ by faith he's telling you stuff he's doing stuff he's working in you he's pushing you he's stretching you he's building your significance and your impact around you and you're on mission with Jesus 
If Christ is well received in you by faith, then he's well perceived in you by faith. If we truly have welcomed Jesus, then we've welcomed his mission to by faith be his ambassadors on this earth. And the third and last point that we're going to make here this morning, and then I'll invite Pastor Tom and Mark to come up. Excuse me, we have some follow-up worship. Forgive me. Faith in Jesus Christ gets the world's attention. Faith in Jesus Christ gets the world's attention. If you and I are going to be people of faith in Jesus, then we're going to be seen as people who are about Jesus. Paul was commending the church in Rome because their faith was proclaiming. People who did not yet know Jesus were seeing Jesus, were hearing Jesus, were wanting Jesus through people who were living Jesus. People who did not yet know Jesus were seeing Jesus, were hearing Jesus, were wanting Jesus through people who were living Jesus. Jesus Christ said to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. People should taste the Jesus in you. The Jesus in you ought to shine light into other people's darkness. The word is katangalo. It means to advertise or to promote that people were living billboards. Church, let me ask you a hard question, a question that I hope that you struggle with this week, that you struggle with by faith. What about First Baptist Church gets the attention of people in our community, of people around us? What are we known for? The best breakfast every year? You betcha. Memorial Day, if you're not here for a full breakfast with as much bacon as you can eat, you're missing out. That's a great thing to be known for, but that's not what I want to be primarily known for. For standing on God's word and defending the truth. What a noble cause there. And we've stood upon God's word. We've stood by the fact that we are an inheritance, that we believe that the Bible speaks into our lives, that we need no other standard for our lives, and that we're going to follow it. Great. But what are we making people want? In a society just like Rome, where the greatest need will always be the same, rescue from sin and deliverance into a new life with Jesus Christ, is that the message that people are getting from our life advertising? In a city that was the seat of the empire where in just a few years Christians would be thrown to the lions and the Colosseums and torched in the streets, the Roman church was living a bold and clear faith in Jesus Christ, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? Don't you know? You know. You know what we want to be known for. Will we becoming those, become those living billboards of faith? Don't we all agree, really, that we're supposed to be living by faith? Paul says to the church at Galatia, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I am crucified in Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul gave a complete theology of identity and life mission in one verse. Jesus lives in me and I'm going to let him do that to the point that it's not my life, it's his. Are we going to be that? Don't we agree by faith that we're God's living promoters? 
and that our lives ought to make Jesus known. Would you do this? Would you make just one faith commitment here this morning? Would you pray and say, oh God, give me faith like that? Give me faith like the church of Rome that heralds Jesus Christ, that makes Jesus known. I want to have a faith that's constantly knowing Christ better, that's welcoming the work of Jesus in me and is welcoming the work of Jesus through me. Would you do that? Come on, pray with me right now. Just Come on, let's be a church that's responsive to God and God's word. Come on, pastor, come up and lead us in, in follow-up worship. Come on, already one miracle's already happened. I'm already done. So one, one miracle's already happened. Now let it happen in your heart. Let it happen in your heart as well. Say, God, I want to be the first one to be moved by you. I want to be the first one to respond, Holy Spirit, to the truth of your word. I want to be a billboard. Not just a bracelet. I want to well, well, well receive Christ. And I want Christ to be well received through me. Give me faith. Give me faith, God. Give me faith.